On today's program, we're talking to author, trainer and speaker Andy Lopata from the UK. Andy's going to explain why and how you can better leverage your network to get more referrals and win more training business. Now, who doesn't want that? This is episode four of the Training Business Podcast. We really appreciate your time today. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Welcome to the show. My name is Mark Garrett Hayes, your host, and this is the podcast for training business professionals just like you all around the world. Each week, we have an episode helping you to start to grow and to scale your training business. Today's guest is Andy Lopata. Andy's a seasoned author, trainer, and speaker. He has appeared on the BBC and has been called one of Europe's leading business networking strategists by the Financial Times. Andy has written several books, and today we're focusing specifically on his book called Recommended. Let's get down to training business. Andy, thanks for coming on the program. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So I thought we'd talk this morning about your book, which I have in front of me here. It's called Recommended, and the subtitle is How to Sell Through Networking and Referrals. It's published through FT, Prentice Hall, which is the Financial Times publication. I'd like to start, first of all, to understand what exactly promoted you to uh, or inspired you to write the book in the first place. Well, actually, Recommended is my third book. So... You know, it was something I had done before, but it's not something that I do on a regular basis. Uh, you know, it was the first unique book I'd written for five years um, when, when it originally came out. Um, and that's because I don't believe in writing a book for the sake of it. I, I believe in writing a book when you've got something to share. And I see so many organizations that treat referrals with a huge amount of complacency. Um, we invest time, resource, energy, effort, and money uh, into almost every other form of new business generation, whether it be marketing or sales. You know, so that's whether you employ a PR consultant, you spend money on advertising, you have cold calling teams. We, we, we strategize those areas of our business. Um, but when it comes to the most effective source of new business for, for most organizations, which is word of mouth and referral, so many people leave it to chance. So this was my opportunity, if you like, to say, stop and think. This is important to your growth. It's important to your business. Isn't it time you treated it seriously? Uh, and a book is a great way to get those thoughts out. And why do you think it is that people, perhaps to quote you, leave referral to chance? Why do I think it is? I, I think that we've, we've bred this complacency over the years. There's, um, there's a very lazy understanding or, or belief system that if I do a good job, people will refer me. And a lot of people in business think that's all you need to do to get referrals. But if you do a good job, you can expect your clients to pay you. But that doesn't mean they're going to refer you. You don't deliver your service and then your client goes away and, and ignores everything else they have to do uh, to think proactively about how they can help you. 
You know, if you have a good haircut, you don't go home and sit at your kitchen table and think, right, who else do I know who needs a good haircut? I need to tell them. Uh, if you eat a good meal, you don't. If you eat a bad meal, you'll tell everyone not to go there. You eat a good meal, you might tell a couple of people in passing, but you're not going to be proactive looking to refer that, that restaurant. Um, so it's it's a very complacent, arrogant uh, belief system um, that gets people off the hook. Besides, we don't like uh, investing in getting results. We like short-term results that involve as little work as possible. Um, referrals require investment and patience and time. When it comes to sales, um, people go for low-hanging fruit you know, can I make a couple of quick calls, get a couple of sales, and I get that 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 super boost, I feel good about myself. It's not a long-term strategy, but we get a short-term high. Uh, referrals don't give a short-term high. You actually have to invest in them and they take time, but they, it feels great once they start flowing. And you, you quote a 2010 study which suggests that customers who, I'm reading here, come to your business through a referral, spend more remain longer as customers and have a higher lifetime sales value than those who come through other routes. Why, why do you think that's actually true? And, and, and I should say that's a 2010 study because the book was published in 2011. Um, the same would still be true now, though. Um, if, if someone comes to you through referral, they carry with them what I call associated trust. If you have been referred to them by someone they trust, you carry an element of that trust or they carry an element of that trust into their relationship with you. So if we, if we source a supplier through our network, we're less likely to shop around if we need anything else uh, that that supplier provides again. We, have, we, we, don't, we don't like shopping cold. People, you know, people don't like to find a plumber on Google. They like to find a plumber through their neighbours. Uh, and that's because we want reassurance. And once we've got that reassurance, that's bankable, if you like. You know, people um, people will stick with you, even if you do uh, a moderately good job. I would hope you would do more and do better. But even if you do a moderately good job, they're less likely to leave. They need a bigger reason to start that shopping process all over again. They're also more likely to refer you because they come to you by referral. Therefore, by their nature, they're more open and amenable to the referral process. And it's a little bit of paying it forward. They got referred to you, you did a good job for them. Therefore, they might be more likely to do so again. I would stress, don't rely on that. Don't be complacent. That goes back to my previous answer. But it, certainly if you ask them for referrals, they're more likely to respond positively. Now, I believe you, and, and this makes complete sense to me. I'm just still a little bit unclear, perhaps it's a mental block, why if people know this to be true, if they know that it's actually so fundamental, so important to their business, do people they'll st still have this fear factor? Why do people still hold back and maybe just, you know, convince themselves that what they actually have is something more than a simple lead? It's perhaps just a tip, as you referred to in your book. What, what actually is the psychology of fear in this instance? I, I think, to be honest, a lot of it is that there's, people aren't thinking about it. You know, that's the purpose of writing a book. People don't think about this stuff. 
If you look at marketing textbooks from 10, 20 years ago, they weren't talking about referrals or word of mouth. It's never been taught. It's never been talked about. And well, it, I mean, it has, but not in the mainstream until the last decade or so. So it's not on the radar for many people. So I think it's not. There is there is an element of fear there as well. There is an aversion to asking. We worry about looking vulnerable if we ask for help. We worry about being a burden to other people. Um, two two areas that are very easily overcome. Um, but I think that psychologically they do hold people back. You know, we feel awkward asking people to help us. We feel awkward asking for referrals. So I think that there is that that aversion there, that wall. But equally, it's just not it's not on people's radar. You know, it, it, sales is a short term game. I've been in 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 cold calling sales. You're judged on your results every day. You're not judged on the seeds you sow that might come in in six months' time. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Absolutely. Um, on the basis of a plan, then let's say we've trainers listening to this program, just people like you and me. Um, who need people to refer them, not just to recommend them. And I'm, I'm really struck by the, the differentiation between the two terms which you've outlined in your book. What would the, the plan look like if you and I were to put together a very simple plan right now for a trainer listening to this? Where would a self-employed trainer or training consultant begin to take on your uh, ideas and put something practical and simple together? Put very simply... I would sit down with them and I would say, who do you most need to get in front of? Who do you need to meet? Uh, and um, draw up what I call a referral mix, the mix of the introductions you're looking for. Um, I would then look at why would those people want to work with you, get into their headspace. What is the challenge you're solving? What is the need you're satisfying? I would then look on the other side of the equation, and, and, and there's two approaches. Number one is you is what I call prospect to champion. So we would look at that referral mix, the people you want to meet. We would take one uh, of those people. So let's say it's the head of learning and development for a major bank. And then you, I would say, who do you know who might know them? And, and we can look at LinkedIn to, to, you know, to see where the connections lie. Uh, the second approach is what I call um, champion to prospects and say, who do you know who has all the elements in place to refer you, is in a good position to refer you? Now, who do they know that they can introduce you to? So we'd look at the two different directions um, and then we'd look at the, you know, what it would take to motivate, to inspire, to ask that person to refer you. Is their trust high enough? Are they ready to refer you? Do they understand what you do? And then what's the best way to approach them? Let's define trust for a moment. Uh, it's a very important word. What would you say is the, the definition of trust for, for referrals to, to actually work? In terms of referrals, there are two elements to trust that people need to have. Trust in you as an individual and trust in your product or service. Um, so if you're looking at people from your personal network, they may well have uh, the former but not the latter. If it's people from your professional network, it may be the other way around. And you need to understand how much of each element needs to be in place for a good referral to take, to take place. In terms of defining what that trust is, it means 
Our pure trust, the strongest level of trust in referrals is that they want to refer you because they know you're going to do a good job and they know that you're going to make them look good. They're confident in that, that fact. They're absolutely assured of that fact. Um, and I think in terms of referrals, that's the best way I can define trust. You also referred to something in your book uh, called the referral book. Uh, and I think you've trademarked that. Can you perhaps explain what that means? Yeah, put simply, the referral book is the approach I use. It's the approach I teach. So my referral book, for most of my clients, will start with five champions, people who would refer them. And then you score them uh, on the three elements I, I touched on in the last answer. So we've talked about trust. The other elements are understanding and opportunity. So how willing are they to refer you? How able are they to refer you? And how, how much of a position are they in to refer you? You then look at what you need to do next to get them ready to refer. So you're scoring each of those three elements out of 10. If it's 10, 10, and 10, they're ready to refer. If it's 6, 5, and 10, they've got the opportunity, but you need to build the relationship more and educate them better. So it's all about taking them on that journey to where they're ready to refer you. Um, once they're in that position, you ask yourself, who do they know and how can they help? Um, and so you can start seeing the referrals you're going to ask for, the support you're going to ask for from them. And the other half of the referral book is, is tracking the activity. What have they promised? What have you asked for? When has it come in? What have you done about it? What's your follow-up been? And, and have you said thank you? Right. So you've outlined a whole template in the book on the referral book method, which I think is, yeah, it's towards the, the second part of the end of the book. So in terms of trust, coming back to trust again, what would make someone change from being a passive bystander, someone who is perhaps just recommending you to someone who's actively referring you? It, it's, I think the first thing I've got to say is it's a very individual thing. Um, a lot of my work is not giving a, a, a drop-down list of actions to take and this journey will take you to trust or to referrals. Everyone is different, so their motivation is different. So there are people who you can um, simply motivate purely by offering them a financial reward. Now, that's not the approach I recommend, but it does have its place with, with certain people. A lot of people rush too quickly to that as, as a motivating factor. Um, with others who are at the other end of the scale, it's about developing the relationship, really building the relationship, getting to know them, getting them to want to help you. And in between, there are various things you can do, such as refer them. Doesn't mean you put a quid pro quo on it. You're not expecting something in return, but you know it's going to grease the wheels, so to speak. Um, uh, but I should stress you're not doing it with expectation of return. Um, taking them for lunch, taking them for dinner, getting to know them better, showing an interest in them, educating them about what you do. Um, if they are a client, it may be the quality of service that you deliver, not just delivering a good service, but really surpassing their expectations. Uh, and ultimately, I think giving people a story because we like sharing stories. And if you give people something to share, that in itself turns into a referral. Uh, the other thing that makes it really easy for people to refer you is to put it into context for them. Give them 
uh, a clear idea of who you want to meet and why that person would want to meet you. If you talk in generalizations the whole time, it's hard for them to picture individuals in their network and make it relevant to them. But if you're really specific and they see someone they know in their mind's eye, then they're halfway there. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. One of the things that struck me in the last two weeks is the number of people who've been contacting me uh, for a range of reasons. And I've been following some people on LinkedIn and I'm, I'm quite uh, taken aback by the amount of effort which people put into dropping, you could say, social media posts on LinkedIn on a daily basis. And I think to myself, if, if people have the time to do this, and, and posting something on LinkedIn with the appropriate picture and the appropriate links, etc., isn't exactly uh, something you know which can be done under five minutes. Why do people put so much time into that and not enough time into actually lifting the phone and building the relationship, which, as we, I think we'd both agree, is is going to be more productive than spending you know a couple of hours a week. Uh, putting pictures on LinkedIn and, and posts. Why, why do you think people are still not doing this? I, I think the uh, it's a difficult one because actually a, a strong LinkedIn strategy can support your referral strategy. You know, posting interesting information, engaging information is all part of that understanding element of a referral strategy. It's educating your network about what you do and who you do it for, showing your, your, your expertise, building credibility and staying insight in mind. So I think as part of a strong networking or referral strategy, it can have a great deal of relevance. Uh, the question is, is it part of a strategic approach or is it people just doing something that feels right to them? Another part of the book, which I quite liked, was the, the chapter on networking. Um, in a very practical sense, someone is going along to an event. Um, they want to work the room. They may not, I'm thinking of myself here, um, they may not know anyone in the room. They may know a few people. Where would be a good place to start to literally work the room, make contacts, in such a way that you could perhaps bring to mind a relationship you have and use that as the basis for a referral? Well, I think the first thing to, to stress there is that you, you're looking to sell through the room, not to the room. So, so lose the sales mindset. Don't look for people who are directly relevant to you. You might meet them. People may buy from you at events, but don't make that your reason for being there. Look for people you can build trusted relationships with over the long term. So don't worry what their job title is. Just go, relax, be yourself, uh, enjoy yourself and find people with whom you have something in common, with whom you have rapport. Once you've found those people, follow up. Follow up and build the relationship over a period of time. You know, I said earlier, this is a long-term strategy. It's not short-term. And that's why a lot of people in sales are uncomfortable with it. Um, but but it is a long-term strategy. That's the most effective referrals approach. So if you're going to networking events, make it with a view to building your network uh, and from that network getting referrals in the long term, not with a view to hunting. Right. I met you at a Professional Speakers Association event uh, last year, I believe. Um, how successful for you are events like that when it comes to meeting people and um, you know, generating a basis for further referral? It's an interesting question. If we're talking about the, the Professional Speaking Association specifically, I'm not, uh, I, I don't go to those events. I don't speak 
at those events for referrals. Um, I, I go and I speak. I, I go because that's my community. That's my tribe. And I learn from them and I get support from them. And I, I've got so much support for my business from the PSA over the 15 years I've been involved. Uh, it's been the best investment uh, um, for my business full stop. And I'm a member of other uh, or fellow of other organizations like the Learning and Performance Institute as well. Um, so I don't go seeking to get referrals, but I do get referrals. And, and the while I might get one or two referrals from people in the room who see me speak, um, I spoke yesterday at uh, an event for uh, aspiring speakers, and over dinner after, two people offered me referrals straight away. Um, it's not the core reason I go there. Um, when I speak at something like that, PSA Island, it's, it's giving back to the community that's given me so much. Yeah, I, I'm just struck by what you've just said about people liking you. So it's it's funny how it comes back to motivation. If people perhaps don't like you, they're not going to recommend you or refer you. How much does that rely upon the psychology? I think this is what Cialdini, uh, Robert Cialdini called uh, the, the, one of the principles of persuasion, which is the principle of liking. How important is it to get people to like you before they feel that they want to refer you? And, and basically put their name to your success. I've had some interesting discussions in my workshops on this topic. Um, and, and there are some very divided schools of thought. There are some people that say they would never refer someone they don't like, but others that disagree vehemently. I, I think you'd be hard pushed to get referrals from people who dislike you, um, particularly if they dislike you intently. But we have to understand the motivations to refer. Um, if you want people to support you and refer you and you want to reach out to them for referrals, the stronger the relationship, the more they want to do it. So liking you is a key element of that. But people also refer because you're the right solution for someone else they like. So they might be referring for the other party in the equation, the prospect. So it, I think if if there was someone I wanted to support and I knew the right person for them and I had a feel for who the right uh, person to help them was, even if I didn't particularly like that person, but I was confident they could provide the best solution, I may well refer. Do you set aside time in your working week to proactively refer people? In other words, do you just decide off the bat to refer people on the basis that you may or may not get something back in the future or do you find yourself waiting for people to actually ask you to be referred before doing so so there's two parts to that question as, as i heard it the first part is that do i set time aside no i don't because i have um a very strong referral reflex so i constantly recognize opportunities to refer and i'm doing it all the time um if that's not natural to you, you need to, to exercise the muscle. You need to build the reflex. So setting time aside to refer and think about it will help you do that. It's not something I do because I do it all the time, but for other people that, that may well help. Um, the, the other part of that is um, do I refer with a view to getting back? And the answer is no. Um, the, there's no quid pro quo here. One of my favorite, my actually my favorite saying is from a lady called Elizabeth Asquith Bibesco, who is the daughter of the former British Prime Minister, Lord Asquith, who said, blessed are they who give without remembering and receive without forgetting. 
give without remembering, receive without forgetting. And that has to be the, the, the attitude. So if you can imagine uh, a simple graph where on one axis you have the effort you put into giving the referral and on the other axis you have the value to the other person of that referral and you split that graph into four quadrants and in you know one of them it's uh, high effort to you low value to them you put you put a big cross in that there's no point putting all that effort in if there's no value to the other person if it's of high effort to you and high value to them then you might have a conversation about compensation if it's um if it's low effort to you uh, and low value to them i would let them decide so i put a question mark into that quadrant but if it's of low effort to me and low and high value to them just do it so so my attitude is if I see an opportunity to make a connection, it's going to take me a couple of minutes to tee it up and put people in touch with each other. I'll just do it. The, the reason I asked that question partially, and your book answers this actually, uh, is, is the principle of reciprocity, which is the, as you and I know, um, do unto others as you would have done unto yourself, or, or quite simply put, seek first to be the giver and then to be given. In other words, if you don't actually give people things first, you could be waiting a long time to get anything back. Um, and and your what you've just said, that quote, which I'm actually going to write down and and uh, recall, um, I think it's it ca- encapsulates the sentiment beautifully. Um, yet, yet there is a temptation, and I'm sure people would agree, to somehow uh, to keep track of these things. Uh, I, I know that the, the human principle is there, you, you perhaps shouldn't, but is it not somehow um, idealistic? Do you, do, you, do you not agree that some people would nonetheless do things with the express purpose of somehow cultivating the reciprocal favor at some point in the future and maybe on that basis be conscious of things that have not been done when they've done something for someone else? Yes, um, and there's a very simple uh, change to the to the mindset that can make it valuable, and that is when you give, don't just look at the person you've given to, look at that person as part of your network, and when you look for reciprocity, look for reciprocity from your network, not necessarily from an in- individual within the network. So you build up. Um, Stephen Covey talked about emotional bank accounts. You build up a balance of support. Now, it doesn't have to equal out, but as long as you know that if you continually invest into your network, you can turn to your network and ask for help. That's key, but it's not because I scratched your back, now it's your turn to scratch mine. It's because you know that you've, you've earned the right to ask for help and you know the people who would be willing to help you. And it may well be that, I give to one person, they give to someone else, and that other person gives to me. So it's the whole network that gives back rather than the individual. Having said that, you will become aware quite quickly if there are people who you support on a regular basis, but they don't give any support back, whether it's to you or whether it's to anyone else. They are just one of nature's takers. And I think that if they are just one of nature's takers and they're not going to give back to anyone else, you would be fully justified in questioning the support you're giving them. 
Okay, Andy, as a final thought, what one tip, just one tip, would you give to listeners today? Someone is, let me just paint the picture here, someone is a training consultant or a coach, they're probably self-employed, and they're thinking, what one thing, what one pearl of wisdom could I take today from this conversation and apply to see results pretty quickly? Take this stuff seriously. Uh, as simple as that. Don't don't expect it just to happen. You've got to have a strategy. You've got to dedicate time to it, and you've got to invest that time wisely. Um, don't think just because you're busy now that it can wait till later because it's not about quick results. You want quick results, pick up the phone and cold call. Um, so however busy you are now, start your referral strategy today. And so i just add to that. Can I just add to that? Are you in your business for one week, one year, five years, 10 years, or 20 years or more? Stop worrying about short-term results. Uh, or if you are worried about short-term, then there's other routes to market. Networks and referrals can be blown if you, you're, you're too focused on the short-term. That's a fantastic tip. I, I think uh, that's worth repeating. Uh, networks and referrals can be blown if you are focused on, in my words, uh, short-term results. You, this is something which you literally have to, a bit like a garden, uh, you have to remove the weeds, you've got to look after the soil, fertilize it properly, and only then when you've planted the right seeds can you expect growth. How does that sound? Absolutely. Absolutely <laughs> right. Okay, well, look, finally, and turning, turning to the praise uh, given to you from people who have recommended the book, um, just to quote one, this is from Colin Wright, Senior Vice President, Global Sales Development for MasterCard. He says, the learnings from this book are practical and portable to all areas relating to the science of engineering, executing and maintaining a referral strategy. I took away a mountain of pearls of wisdom. Thank you. And Rachel Enlaw, who is one of the BBC Dragons on television has said that this book is a must read and he's the king of networking and i thought it would be a nice thing today to end on the note of what we can do for the audience listening to this program and we've agreed that we're going to give away uh, three copies of this book and uh, details will follow in the accompanying post on the website but i'd like to thank andy for agreeing to dedicate personally dedicate three copies of this book um, to people who win the prize. My pleasure. And I, I really hope that it goes to people that will use it, <laughs> use the advice there, <laughs> um, because I, I believe it, it can make a huge impact on your business. Thank you very much for your time on the program, Andy. We'll talk soon. My pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Andy, thanks so much for being our guest on this morning's episode. And thanks to you, our listeners. It's been great having you with us again this week. Thanks for your time in taking your time out of your day to listen to the show here on trainingbusiness.com. Please make sure you subscribe to the other episodes coming up every single Thursday for Training Business Talk. Please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts because, well, you know, this helps us to promote the show and to attract the right kinds of guests whose expertise, advice, tips and business secrets can help you with your training business. Where can you find the podcast? Well, you can check the podcast out every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, and of course, on our website, www.trainingbusiness.com. We look forward to your company again next Thursday, but until then, 
Let's wish you a wonderful training business week. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.